Hello and welcome to the Oz Investing Podcast, the podcast for the everyday investor. Just a quick note before we begin today's podcast is that nothing in this podcast should be considered as personal financial advice. If you're ever in doubt about your financial situation, please reach out to a qualified financial advisor. With all that said and done, let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Oz Investing Podcast. My name is Sam and with me as always is my buddy Jude. How are you, Jude? Doing well, mate. How are you? Really well, thanks. I'm extremely excited today because we have another guest onto the podcast. I'm really excited to welcome my personal friend and mentor, Odie. Odie, how are you today? I'm extremely well, Sam. Thank you very much. And, and thanks for uh, inviting me to your podcast. It's a, it's a pleasure, Odie. And, uh, you know, it's great to have you with us here on the podcast. And, you know, just to give our listeners a bit of an introduction, uh, Odie, could you just let us know and give us a brief about yourself? Right. Well, I think I'm an entrepreneur in spirit. Uh, I came to the country about exactly to 20 years ago and uh, Australia gave me a big hug and uh, I found lots of opportunities in this country that I was very happy to embrace. I love plants. I love working with plants and I've been working with, you know, greenery since I was a teenager. But I've also was always interested in finance and I was amazed on the power of money, good and bad. So that's also something that uh, if I look back at uh, my 43 years on this planet, something that's uh, very much driven me and, and kept me interested. That's awesome. And Odie, I remember the first time when we met, we were actually on a plane ride and I was reading a property magazine at the time. I forget the name of the magazine now, but I was reading the magazine. We met, you were saying that you were working for Domain at the time. You gave me one of your business cards and that was the first time I got introduced to Copper Flora. So can you tell me a little bit more about the business and how it's changed from when I first met you to where it is right now? Sure, I can't believe it's been five years already. <laughs> Time uh, so, <to> by. <laughs> so Cup of Flora is my own creation, started about seven years ago. Basically it's self-watering pots made of borosilicate glass, a so really high quality, beautiful glass. And what they do is they allow plants to thrive for longer hassle and mess free. So really perfect for a home, but also for an office because they don't have all this mess that is sometimes associated with growing plants indoors. When we met five years ago, mm. the business was still running slowly, I, I think, yep. because I was doing this part time. As you mentioned, I did work for Domain for six years mm. and I was doing it part time weekends, afternoons. It was great, but I, you know, the growth was very much organic because I just did not have time and resources to invest in it. Um, mm. Since COVID started, COVID has been on the whole quite good to us. Uh, not only we got some you know, benefits from, from the government, but also our customers, which are predominantly garden centers and florists, really benefited from people wanting to surround themselves with uh, greenery. So the customers did mm. well, we did well, and it, allowed, it gave us a boost. At the same time, I was cutting down on days in domain and dedicated days during the week for Cup of Flora, which gave me opportunity to grow the business. 
Yeah, excellent. So I guess, yeah, there must have been a fair few challenges for you. What were some of the main challenges that you faced for growing the business, finding new customers and creating new products? Yeah, so a good question. I think that some of, well, probably most of all the things I'm, I'm going to tell you now are not unique. They, they're part and parcel of, of running a small business. For me, the extra challenge was the fact that I was creating a new product in a market that has never seen this product before. Mm. So, you know, people were, you know, not willing to commit to any prototype. They say, look, manufacture, show it to us. If we like it, we'll buy it. If we don't, then we're not going to buy it. So it was really a bit of a gamble, Mm. but it all paid off. So we started with one product and now we have 12 and, and growing. But in in terms of challenges, the biggest challenge, as I mentioned before, was my time because my time was dedicated pretty much to another company. Mm. And I only had the the residual time, if you like, to spend on the business. Mm. Access to finance was another challenge. Yep. Seeking good return on marketing. So just finding someone to do your marketing, which, by the way, is not my strong side, hence why I needed someone to help me with with this it was a challenge i i tried a few people and you know the results were different until you know hopefully the last since september we start working with quite a potential company in melbourne and they seem to be doing a very good job other challenges is again finding talent so understanding what you're not that good at and finding good people who can help you and do it in a cost-effective way Mm. And also, more recently, uh, COVID-related uh, issues. So I'm sure you're aware that uh, shipping costs have gone up exponentially yeah, yeah. since uh, COVID started. Manufacturing cost has gone up and also supply chain issues, which means that you order and the product is not here after two months. It's here after three months and there's always delays. So you, you need to to kind of work with the customers to explain to them the limitations. And in most cases, I think they, they understand. They, it's, it's a new reality. And until we go back to the old norm, people yep. understand that uh, not, not everything is available all the time. Absolutely. It sounds, uh, makes sense, Ori, uh, because you know, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, the way of working of businesses and processes, right? Uh, prior to the, the pandemic was completely different from what they are now. I think customers as well understand uh, the gravity of the situation when it comes to those processes. So you're, you're absolutely spot on with regards to that. But but just to, you know, it's a good segue to the next part is I think when Sam also mentioned and we had a conversation, he mentioned the fact that you found ways to automate some of these processes within your business. Can you tell us a bit about what you've done in that space? Certainly. So, you know, I run a small business and I pretty much run it by myself. So I have to be quite efficient with processes. And from the beginning, my goal was to build a scalable business. So I knew that everything that I do had to be scalable. Otherwise, I would just be bogged down in doing the day-to-day menial work and I will never be able to expand to new products and new markets. So it means that I had to find processes that will help me grow without putting a lot of pressure on my time. 
A few years back, I started working with Shopify. Before that, we used a different supplier. But Shopify, I found to be a great platform because they have a lot of integrations, both in Australia and overseas. So those integrations, in particular with my shipping supplier, uh, bookkeeping, client relationship management uh, platforms, they all provided me these invaluable links to remove any data inputting. So the customer input the data once when they place an order online, and then it flows through to all the other systems, and I don't need to go and update them manually, which pretty much allowed me to just focus on value-adding tasks, which is pretty much product development and business development, and stay away from you know, bookkeeping and typing, getting people into the CRM, that kind of um, uh, tasks. And anything that doesn't integrate directly, I automate using a platform called Zapier, mm-hmm. uh, which is a platform that connects a large number of apps to each other. Uh, and, and it's very good. You know, I'm, I'm handy with computers, but I'm certainly not a developer. But with, with a bit of intuition, it's allowed me to do things that really cut a lot of time from how I run my business. Perfect. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, it's it's amazing how all of that has kind of allowed you to, I guess, ultimately quit domain. So what was the feeling like for you when you finally left the rat race, Odie? So I say uh, that I'm, you know, I'm still in the race. I'm just uh, <laughs> in my own race now. I don't know if it's a rat race, but it's certainly, you know, running small business. Somebody asked me once. Hey, what is it like to run a business? So now it's been going for a few years, so now you can just relax, right? And and the manager comes and said, no, no way. (laughs) Not in this day and age. So, you know, if you look at running a small business in this day and age, on the plus side, starting Mm -hmm. a business is quite uh, easy. There's very little barrier to entry. You know, if you're a bit good with computers, a bit good with bookkeeping, you can pretty much do everything yourself. You set yourself up in a matter of days and you're up and running. There's really no no problem. At the other side of the spectrum, you constantly need to chase that next thing, that next customer, the next product. Everybody looking for you to excite them, whether it's on social media or through what you're offering. You can never really rest. You really have to enjoy this race, I guess. So it's not for everyone. But uh, if you follow your passion, then uh, it, it makes it all easier. So, again, it was liberating to know that I'm 100% responsible for my own success. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also frightening at times because there's no monthly paycheck coming in. It's you know <laughs> one month you are doing re- really well. The next month you're doing very poorly and there's no, no guarantees. And um, yeah, Domain was a very good company, so I love my team, my manager, the company culture is all really good, but I always felt that I was putting all my effort into someone else's success and someone else's product. With yep. Cup of Flora, every new customer, every opportunity is mine, mm-hmm. and I own all of it. I own the success, I own the failures, and it, it gives a lot of satisfaction. Excellent. Uh, that's, that's some great insight there, Rudy. And uh, I, I think you just mentioned that, you know, people come up to you and they, they ask you about your business and how you started off. So if you had to give an advice to someone, you know, to start, say, a business idea, 
where where should they start off with what should be their first step what is the research needs to be done before they really enter in, into it into a full scale uh, of operations good yeah it's, it's a good question so i always say um and i talked about it with sam in, in some other occasions i said you really have to follow your passion you know it's nice to think you're just going to land on some product they make in china and say oh yeah it's going to work. If it's not going to work, then I'm going to try something else. That's fine. And there's people doing it and some of them doing it quite successfully. But to me personally, I like to follow my passion. You know, so as I said, my passion is plants and I've always rescued plants from friends and families and brought them back to life. And then, you know, something just clicked when I started Cover Floor. And now when I hear the reviews from my customers, it just gives me as, as much satisfaction as saying, you know, a dollar in my uh, or, or a few dollars in my uh, bank account, because it says that I, I pretty much gave life to a, a product that has its own life. It's almost like a child. Yep. And, you know, it's, it's I'm just following my passion and turn it into a business while I'm doing it. it that's a win win. But to me, first of all, you have to, to follow your passion. And I always give the, um, the example of uh, climbing a ladder. So if you're climbing a ladder against the wrong wall, it doesn't matter how high you get, it's still going to be the wrong wall. It's still going to be, you're not going to be satisfied. And if you put the ladder against the right wall, as you mm -hmm. climb, you really feel fulfillment. And that's yep. something very important because it takes you through the, the downs of running a business. So when things mm -hmm. go wrong, you know, hey, I'm following my passion. I'm having fun here. And mm -hmm. let's see how we can turn this around instead of just saying, ah, oh, this is not going to work. Because, there's, you know, when you run a small business, it's just so many times that you get disheartened, whether it's, you know, something that happened, whether it's negative reviews, anything like that. And you need the strength to get you through it. That's a really good point. Absolutely. I think following your passion definitely helps you through those tough times. And I think a lot of people underestimate the tough times that will occur when starting a small business or, or any kind of business for that matter. And look, you, you've mentioned a, a lot of things along your journey, but I, I guess I want to maybe just zoom in on a couple of things. What do you think, Odie, in your opinion, are really the keys for success? Are there any certain critical foundational steps that need to be taken, in your opinion, in order to grow and scale a business? For sure. Uh, so first of all, you need to start with a great product. And you need to, you know, in this day and age, it's not just a single product. You need to think about ecosystem. So, for instance, Cup of Flora, and I may talk about it a bit later, but, you know, okay, so we started with self-watering. Now, who are, who is the target market? What are they looking for? How can we help them or save them the hassle of going to five different shops and offer them everything that they're looking for in one, in our shop, you know, by, by collaborating with other brands and looking for brands that are not necessarily competing with us, but targeting the same audience as us. I'll talk about it a bit later, but that's definitely something that's very important, a great product. But you mm. also need to believe in yourself and uh, you sell yourself first before anyone is even interested in your product. If you can't sell yourself and you just think you're going to put something in front of people and they're going to buy it just like that, it, you, it might used to be true, but it, it's not that situation at the moment. 
Also, you need to know how to sell and tell the world about it. So, you know, especially since I lost my paycheck from domain and started becoming, you know, full-time Capoflora, mm-hmm. the hustle that's involved in running a business, you always there, you're always talking to people, you're always talking to collaborators, you're always doing something that's just never ending. You know, it's there's always something to do and uh, you need to chase every opportunity. There's just no no way that a very shy person could do it unless you have a good business partner. And then uh, there's also the team. So uh, you either team up with a, a business partner or you surround yourself with good advisors, uh, whether it's on personal or professional, from personal or professional network, who can uh, give you the, the advice that you need and, and give you advice that's not necessarily always something you want to hear, mm-hmm. but what you need to hear. You can you can get a, a coach or, or, or a mentor, uh, and you know sometimes it's a paid arrangement, but you, you need someone to put the mirror in front of your face and give you the honest truth because that's the only way to learn. So yeah, honesty with yourself, uh, read the figures right, don't shortchange yourself, Pay yourself a salary. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't think just because money is coming in that you're, that's it. It's, you know, don't confuse revenue with profit. Now, excellent, excellent uh, advice there, Odi. And I think, you know, those are some key, key criterion, right, to, to ensure that the vision you set from the onset, you know, continues to have that sustainable benefits in terms of your, your business, your operations. So excellent advice there, uh, Odi. And Keeping that in mind, Odi, just, you know, in terms of when you started off, right, like you definitely had a immediate and, you know, the short term, medium term and long term view of the business. Right. So you also spoke about the fact that, you know, COVID, because of the fact that a lot of people were at home, it it really helped the business. And, you know, we had a lot of people wanting to have a lot of being surrounded by plants. So keeping in mind all of these different elements, where do you see the business moving forward now? Okay, that's a good question. So yeah, we we certainly beefed up our exposure in Australia with uh, business-to-business sites like Trada and uh, TradeSquare. Mm-hmm. And uh, since October, we also joined um, a website called Fair.com in the US. They're also coming to Australia very soon. And uh, I think there's a lot of potential in the US market. So this is just our way to dip our toe and test that market without putting a lot of capital into, you know, keeping stock in America and working with fulfillment centers there, for instance. Yeah. But uh, the signs are positive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's one direction is definitely international uh, to increase our international exposure. Mm-hmm. But we, I, I also like to improve and, and expand on the direct-to-customer channel uh, currently available through our website and also on eBay. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at uh, different options there. And yeah, I mean, as I said, it's, it's always business development. So we recently introduced four new designs that mm-hmm. received great feedback from customers so far. They're arriving in March and I'll have to keep pumping those new designs on a, you know, maybe six monthly or yearly basis in order mm-hmm. to, to grow the business. At the same time, on Capoflora.com, we collaborated with a company called Moonash Organics, which offers all sorts of uh, fertilizers. So that's the, the first time we're really putting 
another brand into the shop and that was quite successful. People already buying the pots from us and they want to, to get some soil, they want to get some fertilizers. And we recently reached out to another company that also offers not fertilizers, but other tools for, for the garden or, or that can be used with for, for potting. So this is something that we will be introducing into the website in the next uh, couple of months. Very exciting. And just switching gears a little bit now, I know property is also a big interest of yours and we've spoken many times off air about property and you've been giving me, you know, some advice as well. But I'm interested just to just to know also, how's your property investing journey going so far? Well, I think it's going well. So, you know, looking back, it's almost 20 years that I've since I bought my first house in, in, in Western Australia. It's uh, funny how time travels so quickly. So uh, I first, uh, my journey started in Perth in 2003 and I bought uh, an old house on a big block and and was just, you know, I was new to the country back then and was really amazed how you can just work hard and actually buy your own home, you know, which is something that is unheard of in in most of the world, I guess, and, and most parts of Australia as well. So since then, you know, we had the property boom in WA and, and the house made good gains, which allowed me to borrow more and, and build a, another uh, house just south of Perth. Uh, and then, then I moved to Sydney in 2008. So the properties in WA just didn't meet uh, the return I was looking for. And there was a lot of uh, hassle dealing with tenants and it just was too much of a headache. And, you know, the way I see it, you invest in real estate because it gives you, you know, a li- uh, less volatility than the stock market and hopefully a bit less headache. So I sold them and I bought a unit in Macquarie Park in Sydney, mm-hmm. which has proven to be very successful. So um, very low maintenance, good tenants and good returns. So it's good. It's been good. And there's certainly equity there at the moment. Um, I think uh, investments are elsewhere, but it's not to say that uh, there's not something in the cards for uh, the next uh, five years or so. Excellent. Excellent, Ori. And, you know, just as you said, you know, something may be there down the future, but what's your take on the existing uh, scenario within the Australian property market, right? Do you think the numbers will still grow like they are at this moment? You know, we're still at low interest rates. But there is this rumor going around and by uh, the the rates will be increased by, you know, the second half of the year mostly. So what do you think and uh, will be the impact of those increased rates according to you? Yes, so that, that's a good point. You know, I, I worked in Colliers, so I worked in Domain and uh, uh, my colleague there said, you can't talk about the market because I can tell you about 30 different markets just within the Australian market. So you have capital cities and you have regional, you have different states, you have commercial, you have uh, industrial, you have, uh, you know, residential. So different markets are impacted by interest rates differently. But, you know, if you're just looking at the residential market, uh, maybe talk about capital city and the eastern seaboard. There's definitely inflationary pressures bubbling, and Mm -hmm. I think even the Reserve Bank has acknowledged that, and and it's, it's quite certain there's a great deal of certainty that the cash rate will increase very soon, as you said, second half of, of this year already. 
And that will be a good test to see how comfortable borrowers are with the size of their mortgages because everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people borrow a lot of money because mm-hmm. things are very expensive. At the same time, a lot of people also paid off their uh, debt uh, quite substantially because they couldn't spend their money on anything else. So that's on the positive side. But I do think that the, the, there's going to be some pain with mm-hmm. people who borrow to the max and all of a sudden each quarter of a percentage point increase in the cash rate is going to impact them quite significantly. Yep. So, you know, at this point, I think, you know, prices could stay flat, could even dip a bit. I mm-hmm. don't think they'll they'll crash. I just think that, you know, that the market needs a bit of a breather after very strong years yep. of growth. And if if people are looking to invest, maybe they should look away from capital cities and, and really try to find that next big thing where there's industry, there's infrastructure, but uh, property prices are still quite low. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that would be the best place to invest, I guess. Perfect, perfect. Extremely sound advice there, uh, Ori. And and I just, just to follow up on you know the point which you just raised, and I think it's a very interesting point, right? Because... Uh, you just mentioned that, you know, obviously there will be impacts on the increase in interest rates where you know, people who have borrowed a bit higher in terms of their capacity and, you know, obviously to purchase the property would, you know, feel the pinch a bit. But, you know, based on your experience in, you know, investing in the property market as well as your own properties, as well as working in an industry as this, is there any benchmark do you think is, you know, like a good borrowing percentage from an individual's point of view like you know you shouldn't go you know six times more than whatever you're earning in annually is, is there a certain ballpark like that which you are aware of i never subscribe to that that uh, ratio mm-hmm. i think you have to be very smart and you know you, you can look at income producing residential properties you can look at if you look at regional areas some of them can give you you can be balancedly geared from day one or even slightly positively geared, the, the capital gains might be a bit lower than if you look at capital cities. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that can be a good uh, starting point. At the same time, even in the city, you can buy something with a granny flat and have, you know, income coming against your debt. So you could potentially borrow more. And that gives you, you know, income to help pay the mortgage. So it's, it, it's very different. And it also has to do with your capacity. I always suggest to people to be quite, you know, the fact the banks give you a certain amount doesn't mean you have to go all the way up there. You really have to think smart. You have to look at places that, you know, other people may say, ah, oh, no, it's it's ugly or it's this or it's that or it's this area has bad reputation mm-hmm. and just say, you know what, I reckon it has great potential as well, just because, you know, some people don't want to live here now because of some reason yep. doesn't mean that in five years it's going to be not going to be different and if you know something or you've done your research and you know real estate is a long-term investment i yep. think there's there's plenty of gains to be had perfect perfect now there's again some great advice there Ori. and you know what and also just picking up on your your previous comment about you know when you invest in property you're looking for things which are hassle-free uh, in a way but just keen to know, right, for someone who's got interest in different properties, what's your take about the stock market versus the property you know, conundrum which people talk about, right? You know, some people have uh, different polar views in terms of, you know, property is much better than the stock market 
and some will say you know stock markets are better than the properties what's your take on your that uh, that uh, opinion of people i think that both are really good i mean each of them has its own risks and has its own benefits and you know again if you if you like money if you like finance like you guys like me and you mm-hmm. like talking about it and teaching yourself about it then you can really mitigate a lot of those risks by just taking things easy and going quite conservative to start with until you really understand how things work and then you can go into more exotic instruments as well if you, if you feel like it uh, i can tell you that i'm i'm invested in both and mm-hmm. uh, you know as i mentioned the real estate side of thing is really hassle free uh, with with the stock market there is ups and downs and again you need to understand what type of investor you are and what kind of person you are because if you're a person who buys a stock and checks the stock market five times a day mm-hmm. to see what the stock is doing then maybe it's not the right instrument for you maybe yep. you should look at ETFs maybe right. you should let someone else do it for you and just say look once a month tell me what the portfolio is doing yep so you know it's it's very individual and it's it also has to do with what interests people and what they feel comfortable investing in i i say both of them can get great return you know you can get greater leverage if you're looking at, at real estate mm-hmm. but uh, you know the stock market obviously is a whole lot more uh, you can diversify a lot more and you can uh, you know it, it's obviously a lot more liquid and then you can invest you can use the stock market to invest in real estate as well okay. and uh, increasingly the other way around you can now buy shares in in houses or bricks in houses so i'm told yeah and uh, absolutely absolutely that's great that's great and it's good to see that you know you've got uh, the uh, you you've given a very good uh, view and parallel view for both those aspects right property as well as got its pros and the stock market as well so it's great to hear your thoughts on that yeah i couldn't agree more i think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in both aspects with the property market as well as the stock market which currently as it sounds at at the end of february 2022 is not doing so great but is is rebounding ever so slightly <laughs> odi it was an absolute pleasure chatting with you today it was really great to to discuss your business and also your thoughts on both the property market and the share market So guys, thanks. That's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please check out Odie's website and show him some support. So it's Cup O Flora, C O P the letter O and then flora.com. So please check out his website. Beautiful photos there of his pots and his products and also he does have a Instagram as well. So please follow and subscribe to Cup O Flora. And as always guys please check out our own website if you haven't done so already it's oz-investing.com spelled o z investing and consider joining our email list we'll be sending out an easy to use checklist on what to look out for when investing in the stock market also check us out on social media there are links on our webpage and if you like to contact us please do so our email address is ozinvesting2020@gmail.com or through the contact section on our website So with all that said and done I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and we'll catch you in the next episode see you later